What is this? To believe in the one he has sent. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. See, Jesus knows why they've come looking for him. They want him to play that role of forever satisfying their physical needs. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Never having to work again to put food on the table. This man will just do it. Whenever we want food, Jesus, you just provide it. We'll never be dissatisfied again, and and we'll have you as our king. We'll do anything you want. Now, any normal human being would welcome that sort of attention and adulation and gladly give them what they want, but not Jesus. He knows that satisfying them at this level is not good for them because it will mask their real need. So Jesus gives two pieces of startling advice for them and for us. The first is in uh, sentence 27, and it was well, sorry, in part of that Bible reading we've just had, and it was that, do not work for food that spoils. Now, Jesus is not just talking about food literally, that is the protein and carbs that go in your mouth, but here food becomes a symbol of whatever it is that we grasp at to satisfy us. But in the end, it doesn't. You know, it's the late night lint chocolates of life. The stuff we work so hard for, put so much energy into acquiring, only to see it spoil and disappear. I remember hearing of a couple who were, you know, moving up the affluence ladder, you know, buying a house, doing it up, selling it, buying something a little, you know, buying something else and doing it up and something was bigger and better and bigger and better and they finally got the house of their dreams the one that they'd always wanted. No matter that the kids were no longer you know, going to be living there, but they had their three-bedroom, I mean, sorry, three-bathroom, five-bedroom mansion, and they were happy. Now, the mortgage contract stipulated that they had to have home insurance, but their fittings and new furniture meant that they had nothing left for contents insurance. Now, you guessed it. They arrived home late one night to find the house and everything in it in smouldering ruins. Their dream was in ashes. That's food that spoils. Or what about the woman who was always discontent with her job? The work, the atmosphere, the money, the people she worked with, nothing ever really satisfied her. Finally, she got the job. No, not just a job, but the position of a lifetime. Surely now she'd be happy till she retired. A month after she started... The company was merged with another and she was made redundant. Food that spoils. Do you remember that um, movie Notting Hill? It's a bit old now, isn't it? Um, Where Julia Roberts plays the part of a famous Hollywood actress who is thought to have a life and a lifestyle that most people would kill for. But there's this one scene where she says to Hugh Grant, I'm 29 years of age and I've been on a diet since I was 19, which means I've been hungry for 10 years. I've had a series of not very nice boys, and every time my heart gets broken, the media make a circus out of it. I've had to have two painful operations to look like this, and one day I won't be wanted by anyone. You know, and none of us are immune to that disappointment and sometimes that emptiness that life brings. We too 
have experienced failure at relationships with someone and the effects of the march of time on our bodies. What was Jesus' alternative? The second piece of advice he also gives is, so first was do not work for food that spoils, but work for food that endures to eternal life. See, the problem with food that spoils is that it's temporary. It may last a few hours, a few weeks, even months or years, but it's not going to last forever. You know, and that's why we become discontent and browned off with life. What we rely on for satisfaction is only temporary. And that's the exact opposite of what endures to eternal life. Do you remember the celebrations of New Year's Eve 1999, just before the new millennium? How the Harbour Bridge was lit up with the words, eternity. Um, That image was flashed right around the world and people were asking, what does it mean? Well, the word was written all over Sydney streets early this century by a man called Arthur Stace. Arthur was a man who had tried to find contentment in all sorts of ways and in the process had become a hopeless, homeless alcoholic. Until one night, he wandered into a church and heard a talk a bit like this one and realised that there was a life beyond this one, that there was an existence that never ended and that was inhabited by God. And he wanted to be part of it. And even though he was virtually illiterate and couldn't write more than a few scratches, Arthur Stace wrote the word eternity in beautiful copperplate writing all over Sydney streets thousands and thousands of times. Eternity, eternal life. Life in eternity that goes on forever. Life lived for God and with God. A relationship with God that began that night, a relationship that he was made for, a relationship that never ended. And why did that relationship satisfy Arthur Stace? Why does it satisfy me now? And why can it satisfy you Because you and I were made for a relationship with God. He designed us to be friends. He would love and protect and provide for us and we would love and honour and obey him in return. But you know what? We haven't done that. We've ignored him. We've, We've declared him irrelevant. We've pushed him out of our lives. Some of us have even shaken our puny fists in his face and opposed him directly. The result, we're left with this deep sense of emptiness, of hunger. We're left with this huge hole in our lives, a God-shaped hole that only God can fill. We're unhappy and dissatisfied. And worse, we're in deep trouble because we don't stop rebelling against God. One day he's going to say, "Ah, you don't want me? Then you won't ever see me again. But right now, there's a hole. And we need to realise that only God can fill it. Well, I'm sure the crowd had the question, please tell me what to do. Tell me how to take away the hunger. Tell me what to do. Well, Jesus' answer is absolutely amazing. He says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And the one he has sent is Jesus. So really, his cut to the chase answer is, trust 
Jesus, believe in Jesus. Is that all I have to do? Yes, but make sure you know what it means to believe in Jesus. There was once a great uh, trick stunt high-wire artist in America called Charles Blondin. Um, In 1859, he stretched a tightrope across Niagara Falls and walked across it. He was the toast of America. Uh, The greatest tightrope walker that ever lived. Uh, These were the headlines that were spread, splashed across the newspapers. Uh, He went on to ride a bike across the wire and then to do it blindfolded. Um, he announced um, that he was going to push a wheelbarrow across the falls. And a newspaper reporter came to interview him. And Blondin said, do you believe that I can do this great feat? Ah, yes, said the reporter, I really do believe it. You are the greatest high-wire stunt artist of all time. Well then, said Blondin, will you get in the wheelbarrow and come with me? Silence. He beat a hasty retreat. See, there's a world of difference between believing something or someone in theory and being willing to commit your life into his or her hands. Believing in Jesus is like the second one. It's recognising who he is, but secondly, knowing all the stuff that we know about Jesus, to be able to say to him, like the reporter could have said to Blondin, I'm a bit afraid here. This is a big step for me. But I'm going to trust you with my life. I'm going to rely on you to forgive me for my rebellion. I want to be restored to a great relationship with you. No longer am I going to go on searching for things that just leave me hungry. I'm going to give up my self-reliance and now rely on you for everything. So can you see that Believing, trusting Jesus is absolutely essential to tasting real life. Uh, Remember that last sentence that was there? When Jesus said, I am the bread of life, he who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. In other words, you will be satisfied. A satisfaction that won't evaporate the next day. Deep down inside. Remember that hole? Deep inside of us, the God-shaped hole, only God can fill it. Having a relationship with Jesus satisfies now and lasts into eternity. I don't need to tell you that life sucks, but you do need to know that that is not what God designed for you or what he wants you to have. He wants you to have a life that is deep and real and forgiven and based on relationship with him. That's what we were meant for. And when we're away from him, we suffer. And God hates that. So he says, come and look at my son Jesus, because he can satisfy you. Now, I don't know whether you've considered Jesus much before, but I'm going to urge you to to change that. Why not do do some investigation? Think about who Jesus might be. You've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. You could grab a biography of Jesus. Uh, There are four that have been written, and I'm sure that we can find some biographies to give to you. If your friend brought you tonight, then tell her that you'd like to do some investigation. I'm sure she'll be happy to help you do that. There's also a card on the back table 
um, which looks like this, which I think Elizabeth will refer to again in a minute. Um, but it's got an opportunity for you to say, I'd like to do a course to find out more about this Jesus and the fact that he can satisfy me. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, we're going to have some more things to eat and see. Thank you.